saying, JJ, where are you? Okay, you ready? Let's go. Sing a couple of songs. If you do well, I'll let you sing three.
want one more. Uh, some of them came from hard backgrounds. And they came over here and they visit American churches, American homes. And God's done a lot for them. And they got so much to be thankful for. And I want them to sing that song. I don't know what they want to sing, but I want them to sing that song. Yeah. A lovely, come here, lovely. You see that sign up there over the baptistry? She made it. She, she did it. She did it. And she wants me to tell you she'll come to your church and do the same thing for Sheila, where's your group? Sheila's got a group. Christmas. Standing there and 
And uh, the girl on this end, Hannah, she'll be married Valentine's Day. The sun is shining bright My heart is filled with gladness Here above the cares of life But I've just come through the valley Of trouble, fear, and pain It was there I came to know my God Enough to stand and say Even in the valley God is Thank you. Good job. Good song. And you sang it well. Where's 3J or what is it? 9J? What is it? 9 by. 9 by. Do you like the choir? You'll be in it tomorrow.
9J, stand up. Maybe some didn't meet your brother Harney. There's a new boy from Chad. Just came in last night. We got two more coming tonight. Two more coming tonight. The boys are going to go get them. Yeah. All right. Now tomorrow, tomorrow morning, we'll start at 9 again. And we got uh, Brother Lamb to preach again. Brother Chuck Harrell. And Brother Muncie from Winchester, Kentucky. They'll be our preachers tomorrow morning. And then tomorrow night, Brian Bear and Cal Evans coming in. And uh, we always look forward to seeing Cal. He'll be here tomorrow night. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, you say, do you go along with everything he believes? I don't know everything he believes. So I never ask him. But uh, we're glad he's here and he's going to preach tomorrow night. And we always have a great service. All right, uh, Brother Harney, I think we'll just skip. And Brother Lamb, you come. God bless you. We're glad to have you here. Thank Amen. You, Thank you, Pastor. God bless you. Well, good evening. My, my, Pastor preached 27 times in January. That would tire me out just thinking about that. 27 times in January and then through a real sick spell. Buddy, you are one tough dude, buddy. I'll tell you what. You are one. But they don't make him like that anymore. You know what I mean? They, he is tough. My goodness. Thank God for him. Amen? Makes me feel like a sissy. Amen? Just makes me feel like I'm a wimp, man. I just don't have it like he's got the strength. Thank God for him. Amen? Oh, that little girl's going to get married. You said, Pastor, is she gonna, that little lady's going to get married Valentine's Day. Does she got a husband yet? Does he know it? He doesn't know it. <laughs> well, that's always good. <laughs> that's always good. It gives them, you know, real something to look forward to. So you guys, you never know what's going to happen between now and February. Amen. What's going to happen. Amen. When it'll be, but I know one thing. She's ready. She's ready. <laughs> we got some kids getting married at our church here again. Are they from here? I know they they over there. I know they're getting married over there. That's great. That's great, man. Man, it's been good to be in the message tonight, hasn't it? Amen. Well, Harold, this the message is so solid, just just foundational, man. I need it. I just thank you for it. Thank you for it's no wonder you've built and leaving behind a great work, Pastor. You're just faithful and solid and just keeps doing it. Not only preaching it but living it. Isn't that amazing? It's wonderful, amen. Choir, man, you guys, I've never heard any better. Great, great, great. A few new different faces, but boy, it's still powerful. Thank you for doing what you do, and, and welcome the new student and uh, the others that are coming in tonight. And uh, I've not got to see many of those new guys as they just evolve and come in, or those new ladies. So it's, it's really good. It's, uh, it's really good. Well, I started a message this morning, and Brother Mark kept looking at me as he got close to the 12 o'clock. Pastor said, we're going to have a ham dinner. And Give me that hungry, angry look, and I thought about how tall he was and how tall I was, and I thought, I better, I better land this plane, amen? So well, I landed that plane and got out of the pickcock and ran quick, amen? And uh, we can get him some ham in his belly. So tonight, I'm, I'm going to attempt to complete the message. I'm going to find our way in the book of 1 Kings, chapter 19. We read it this morning in entirety, but as you know, it's a very, very wonderful story. 
But the theme of my message, the theme of my thought, and what I wanted to leave behind is how to get through the tough days. How to get through the tough, tough days of ministry. And you and I know that getting through the tough days is so very important in the ministry. Because a lot of people get to the tough days and they don't make it past it. They don't go any further. And spotted throughout the Word of God, we find that to be so. But no matter what it was, if it was a tough time because of them, tough time because of others, or tough time because of the temptation of our enemy, they're parked and they're shipwrecked, and uh, they never went on. They never made it through the tough time. And I wish I could tell you and me that, you know, it's going to be sweet, it's going to be easy, it's going to be fun, and you're not going to have a tough time, but I know you're going to have a tough time. There are going to be days that will be tough. There will be days that will be tough. I just, and to be able to know how to make it through those days and get beyond those days is so very important. And so we just kind of glean and pick the meat off the bones of this man and his story in those days, and it's so very important. And you are going to be in ministry, it's, it's so vital that you would have all the skills that when you come to those difficult places and impossible times and when your heart is discouraged and when your mind is confused, how to work your way through and how to work your way out of it and continue on. I think it's so very important. It's so very important. You know, a, a pastor is faced with so many different challenges. Ministry, whether you're a missionary or a pastor, there's so many different obstacles and a pastor is supposed to be good in every field, in every area, and he has to know how to not only win people to the Lord, but disciple them and grow them and build a church. And then after you get the people, then you cause another challenge. You've got to have a building, and then he's got to know how to gather the monies and raise monies and teach people how to be disciples and, uh, and monetarily. And then the, the cycle just continually uh, re- evolves and keeps on keeping on and keeping on, and it doesn't stop. And I'm uh, like our brother. I'm in the, probably the fourth quarter of my ministry, you know, it's interesting that it's not the easiest at the end of the ministry. That is really interesting to me because my mind would be, you know, now after you, you start out, I was 23 and Shiggy was 21 when we started our church. We've been married, married 47 years uh, and we got married on Valentine's Day. Not really. I'm just playing about that one. But, but 47 years and, uh, at, you know, now we're past that. You know, our ages have gone and changed and uh, they used to didn't, didn't recognize me as a pastor because I was so young looking. And somebody called me the young man the other day. I said, say that another one more time in the other ear so I can hear you. Amen. So yeah, uh, what I'm just trying to tell you is that, that, it, that you'll have tough times no matter how far you go or where you go in life or in ministry. But what's wonderful about it is that God has a way to make it through the tough days, the tough places. We find here that this Elijah, my friend, came through a tough day. But I've often wondered to become a student of his life and trying to understand after he come to this tough time, desired to die, didn't want to live, didn't want to go on any farther. God said, okay, now I'm going to give you one more assignment. And, you know, he was removed almost at that time because of where and the way he handled that tough time. And I think it's important how you and how I handle tough times. Are you going to have them? Yes. Am I going to have them? Yes. But how I handle them is so very important. And so uh, it's very important that we know how to handle those things. I take our scripture and I'll read here in the book of First Kings chapter 19 one more time. We begin in verse number 1 of chapter 19 and here's the words that we find. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and with how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. 
And Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more so, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. You know, I'd rather have ten men after me than one woman. Amen? Because you can whip a man and he'll quit, but a woman, she just keeps coming. Amen? You can no matter what. They're just after you. I mean, really, man. You get a lady that mad at you, and you have got a big problem. Amen? And she said, guess what, Elijah? You know, you just killed those 450 and then 400 prophets of Baal. You cut their heads off, but guess what, buddy? Tomorrow at this same time, may God do to me, and more so if I don't have your head cut off by tomorrow. And right there, that tough day came, and he began his response. We find in verse 3. And when he saw that he arose and went for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. And he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under the juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die. And said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life. I'm not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baked on the coals and a cruise of oil at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because thy journey is too great for thee. And might the God of heaven give me strength and words tonight as I, I, I give you my message tonight. As we think tonight about this, I review briefly and I remind you that, that all of us will have bad days. And some of the bad days, and for you that were not here this morning, very quickly I review this outline. Some of the bad days that happen to us are because of you and I. They're our fault. Some of the things that happen to us are because of others and what they do. And some literally are, my friend, the spiritual attack from the enemy, the devil. It's because of who you are and where you are and what you do and that he hates you. And he hates me. Now, I want you to realize that, that he hates every one of us here tonight. And he would do all within his power and shoot every arrow in his arsenal. If he could get Dan Lamb, if he could get you sidetracked in a trap, quitting on the days when they're really tough. And you know, he's got traps all around my life, as he does for you. He's got traps everywhere around you and wanting to sidetrack you and get you off track in what you need to do. It's very interesting, my friend, that a pastor is very unique in the fact of who he is. I said this morning about a pastor, he is different because of his heart. He is different because he is eternally never satisfied. The church can be full and people being saved, but he still has a longing for someone else to be saved. Yes, it might be all in just, but there's still something down beating in the very heart of a man of God, a missionary, a lady, a family, my friend, that they desire to have the blessing and the fullness of God. We talked about some things that, that how you get through, and we dealt with a couple of these this morning, three or four of them. I start out with, first of all, his feelings. His feelings. He said if he's going to get through it, he's going to have to learn how to handle his feelings. Because we all have them. We all have feelings. You know, we can't trust them because they'll lie to us. Sometimes they'll be happy in us. Sometimes they'll not be happy in us. And we can't trust them because they lie to us. The Bible talks about our heart being deceitful not telling us the truth, not being honest with us. That's a seed of our emotions, seed of our feelings. You see, they're wonderful, my friend, but they will lie to us. Very interesting, my friend, that we must be careful that we control our feelings and not our feelings control us. And then number two, I said, we need to realize if we're going to make it through the tough times, we're going to have to deal honestly with the facts. Get the facts right. The fact of the matter is that God 
did a whole lot for Elijah, and he was disappointed and discouraged because he forgot, he forgot the brook at Cherith. He forgot the widow at Zarephath. He forgot the young man that he came and reached and took from the arms, my friend, of the woman, the son. And she said, you're going to remind me of my sin, Elijah? You're going to remind me of what I did with my life? Are you going to curse me? And he took him and laid him on his bed, and my friend brought him back. He forgot all of those things. And now, my friend, because his feelings were in control of him, and my friend, now because the facts were not right, he just began to step on down. He, he was not able to make it through. He couldn't make it through. And then he was fearful. Um, never run because of fear, amen? Um, you know, when there's times and places in our lives, my friend, when we're filled with fear, they become... The battle becomes the Lord's battle and not ours. We lived in the country in the first house that we bought. There was something in the haymount that we had. It was in the country setting. And, and man, I heard it screech out there one night. And I sent my wife out to see what it was. Amen, Brother David. I mean, to tell you what, it made my feet take off. I mean, it scared the fire out of me. I mean, I was completely frightened. Can I say that you and I, as we come to tough places in our life as a Christian, you're going to have to know how to handle your fears. Don't run because of your fears. Commit them to God. God said, as I tell you the story about the churches, he said, the seven angels are the seven stars of the seven pastors of the seven churches. And I've got every one of them in my hand. And you know what? Can I tell you that he did not need to be afraid. He was afraid, but he did not need to be afraid. You say, Pastor Lamb, are, have you ever gotten a place when you're afraid? Absolutely. I'm absolutely afraid. Yeah. And I had to learn that if I'm going to make it through the tough times, when the fears, my friend, captivate me and want to overtake me, I must realize that, my friend, my fears, my friend, must be controlled by me, and fears need not control me. You know, it's interesting that fears. Now I go into a little bit of the new message, the second part of the message. And if you're going to overcome the tough times, then you're going to have to learn how to deal with fatigue. Now, the reason I would use the word fatigue, pardon me, it's because, you know, it, it follows with my outlines with the Ephesus. But it's interesting. It's very interesting that you and I must realize that being exhausted is a part of ministry. And you and I cannot function well when we are exhausted. Now, understand that, gentlemen. Understand that, men of God. And uh, I've only had nine funerals this year in January, January the 20th, nine funerals. But today I laid down and rested all day because I had a little temperature and a puny and uh, it just didn't feel so very good. Still, though, but it's very interesting that fatigue is a part of our lives and we must learn how to manage our bodies. Say amen with me about that, won't you? Jesus said they were so busy running about doing the ministry that they didn't have any time to sit down and eat. They didn't have time to sit down and eat. And Jesus said, guys, come on with me, won't you? Come on, guys. Come apart and rest a while. It's very interesting that, my friend, that many a times when we go through tough times and difficult times, if we're not strong physically or rested physically, and I'm not talking about being sissies. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, my friend, being real and honest. Not that you're lazy, but, my friend, that you care for your body when you get so tired that you can't function, that you can't read. Brother Harney, you cannot sing. Amen. You cannot preach. You cannot be jive turkey, the youth pastor that you were. The great, he was a great youth pastor. He was a great youth pastor, great, great youth pastor. Jive Turkey was his word of that day, amen. He had a muscle shirt cut off. His muscles were, now he covers them up, and I know why. Don't you, amen? Amen. From here to here, amen. Oh, playing with them. Now, now watch. 
I'm trying to tell you that a man of God, that a missionary, that a pastor, that a person needs to realize that you are in a body and you must learn how to care for it. And if you're going to be able to come through the tough times, some of the tough times literally are just because we're so exhausted and we're so tired that we just cannot function. We just literally cannot function. And I say, well, what do you do? I'm saying it's not easy. I'm just trying to tell you that, that we need to learn to listen to our bodies and care for our bodies so we can be strong enough to carry on in ministry. If you can say amen to that, say amen. How many pastors here tonight say, Pastor, I have been physically exhausted before when tough times? Physically exhausted. Physically exhausted. Not because you're lazy. These guys that run with this guy are not lazy guys. You, these guys are not lazy. These guys are winners, man. You know, I don't know how the man can preach 27 times and go through a real six spell and have such a strength that he still does. It's amazing. Wonderful. But I'm saying that if you and I are going to come through tough times, we're going to have to deal with fatigue. And then I said to us, and I stepped on this point and, and, and concluded with my message with it, and I said, if you're going to overcome tough times, then you're going to have to learn to use the fellowship that God wants you to have. It was interesting that Elijah took a servant and left him and then went a day's journey into the wilderness. It was his servant. I'm not sure what kind of relationship he had with his servant, but I've got pastors that are my friends, and I just use those guys. They're my friends. There's some guys that I can talk to and be honest with and say, now I want you to help me with this. I'm trying to make a decision in prayer with the Lord. I'm trying to figure this out. What should I do? How should I handle it? We got a baby church that's 1,300 miles away from where we are, and it's not an easy situation to have a baby church. And they were going through a struggle and going through time. I call my pastor friends and say, Pastor, pray with me about this. Pray with me about this and talk with me. And I use my friends. It's interesting, my friend, that fellowship God has made as a piece of our lives to be successful to get through the hard times. When I don't have strength within myself to get through, I can use the strength of someone else. I can use their strength. And all of us need those kind of friends that won't tell everything that you can tell them. You can be honest with them and straight up with them. And they won't blabber to anybody else. They'll talk to the Lord and they won't change your relationship with them. But you can use their strength. You'll need their strength. I'm saying that if you're going to make it through the tough time, you're going to have to realize that you're going to have to create some fellowship on purpose. Look for some buddies. Develop those relationships and pray with them regularly. I've got men that I pray with every week. I've got men that I pray with every week that are pastors. And they're not local. And they're, they're scattered around, and I do that. And we interchange our personal prayer deeds, our personal prayer requests. And so we interact. And so if a man struggles in an area, I confront him about that. How are you doing? How are you doing in this area? How are you doing? Can I say that you and I have been made by God to be a people that get strength from fellowship? And my friend, he broke all of the rules. Elijah broke all the rules, my friend, and he was exhausted and tired. He broke the fellowship, he broke everything. And then I think there's something else that I think is very important if you're going to make it through the tough times. You've got to be in the place where God fills you. I, I love these words. It's so, and as he lay and slept under the juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. Get up and eat. Verse 5. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baked on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink, and he laid down, him down again. It was interesting, my friend, that the fillings are important. They're refillings. They're once again fresh fillings. We didn't come to the place, my friend, where we, we fill ourselves with what God feeds us. It's important. Fill yourself. Fill yourself. 
I was making a call on one Saturday morning. It was a family. It was difficult to catch. And I got there about 10 o'clock. It's a little bit early on the time to visit. And they come to the door, and they were still in their, their night clothing. They said, Pastor, we got a little, our son's out there in the kitchen. He's a high chair. Uh, come in and sit with him, and we'll go change our clothes, and we'll be right out. I said, that'd be great. So you got a little tiny guy, and he's eating little chunk squares of green jello. I said, well, I love kids. We've had children, and you know what? So I sat down, and Mom and Dad went in the other room to get dressed and change and be appropriate. And that little guy started throwing them green chunks of jello at me. Amen? He threw every one of those pieces of jello at me. Now, I'm not telling you what I wanted to do with that little heathen. I'm not telling you that. But I wanted to teach him what not to do with that jello. Can I say that you and I must realize that we need to be refilled? What do you do? What do you do, men of God, to refill yourself? Uh, there's certain places in the scripture I think we can read that, that give filling to us and strength to us. I sing to myself. Nobody else wants me to sing. The only songs I've ever been, ever been requested to sing is on a hill far away. That's the only request I've had about my singing. Amen. On a hill far away. I'm not like Brother Davey back here, but I just don't have it. But boy, when I sing to the Lord and I pray to the Lord in my song when nobody else is around, many a times the Holy Spirit of God has just come. And he's settled. Sometimes my songs are confessions of things that nobody would know but God. Some things are, are songs of just pleading. And sometimes I can't stand on my feet. I can't sit in a chair when I sing like that. You know, you just, we need to be filled. It was interesting that the angel came and woke him up. And he, and he woke up in the Lord. That's very interesting. There's a coal of fire there, fire there, and there was bread and there was water there. It was interesting that he ate of it and lay down and went to sleep again. God woke him up again and said, that's not enough. You're going to need another filling. Sometimes difficulty and hard times take us down so far and take so much out of us that we'll need repeated fillings from God to bring us back where we need to be. Realize when you come to that place, everybody, everybody else might be done at an altar and they're up and gone, and you're, but you still have not, you've still not been filled the way you need to be. I am. I snuck in the building the other day, and I didn't sneak in the building, but the auditorium was all dark, and I was up at the altar. And they come in and walk through, and I scared them. You know, so what you doing, Pastor? I'm just waiting on God. I'm just, I'm just talking to God. I need filled, amen. I need him filling. If you're going to make it through tough times, you're going to have to learn, my friend, how to, how to fill and be filled. You have to learn how to fill yourself. You know, I like to read sermons. And uh, it's not always easy for me to sit down by, by my very nature, to sit down and just read. Um, that's, not, that's not who I am. It's not always easy for me. But audibly, whatever I can do, my friend, to bring myself to the place of feeling. So I'm telling you that you need to watch when you come to those tough times in such a practical meshing that you learn how to feel yourself. Feed yourself. Bring yourself back to where you need to be. Bring yourself back up. Even tonight, even tonight, this is Monday, pastor's emptied all of the truck. He's pulled the lever and dumped everything in him. All of his message and all of his emotion and all of his heart and all of his burden, you left it yesterday at your people. You gave it to them. You gave it away. Now you're starting all over to gather your strength again and to gather, my friend, a filling again. Rather, it's your mind or, or rather it's the spirit of you. So I, I'm saying you've got to fill yourself. You know, you can't have an empty cup and continually 
poured it out and pouring it out without putting something back in. And so we need all different kinds of fillings, fillings of the word, fillings of the Holy Spirit of God, but we need fillings. And if you're going to make it through the tough times and the difficult days, then you're going to have to learn, my friend, how to fill yourself. You're going to have to do it. It's important or you'll never make it. You know, our desire, I wish I could have heard the message this morning in Proverbs. Brother Rogers this morning, I got his outline, but I, I didn't realize we had a service. I really didn't know that. But start right and finish right. How powerful can that be? How wonderful can a message be like that? Wait on God. Wait on God. I, can I say that you and I, my friend, need to come to a place, my friend, where literally, my friend, uh, that, we, that we fill ourselves. And then uh, number seven, we need to use our faith. We need to use our faith. Say, Pastor, what are you saying there, use your faith? You know, it's very interesting um, in this text, chapter 18, I begin in verse 42, one page back. Zoeb went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah came up to the top of Carmel. He cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. Oh, man. My. Very interesting now what's happening now. And he said to his servants, go up now and look toward the sea. And he went up and he looked and said, there's nothing there. He went one time, he said, go back and look again. He went the second time and said, go back and look again. He went the third time and he said, there's nothing there, Elijah. Man of God, there's nothing there. The fourth and the fifth and the sixth and the seventh. He comes back in verse 44. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, behold, there rises a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, go up and say unto Ahab, prepare thy chariot and get thee down that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and the wind and there was a great rain and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And, and, the, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah and he girded up his loins and he ran before Ahab on the entrance, uh, to the entrance of Jezreel. It's very interesting, my friend, that he used his faith. It's very interesting that his faith was tested in that difficult time, and he must come to the place, my friend, where he'd use his faith. He must use it. Allow this faith, my friend, to grow. And he kept sending his servant back, go again and again and again. You know, we, we must come to the place where literally we wait on the Lord. We wait on the Lord. We wait on the Lord. When we let God work, my friend, he can work. He can work. You know, we need to let God be God sometimes in our life. You come to that tough place and that's tough time in ministry. You come to that tough day and you have no idea how you're going to get, in, get through it and get past it and can continue to go on. There's times that we just need to stop and wait on the Lord. Amen? Literally, stop and wait on God. You know, we Baptists don't do that very good. We don't do that very good, gentlemen. We've not been taught that. We don't have that like we need to have that. But there comes a time, my friend, when you say, okay, now, God, I have given this message. I have given all that we have. Now, Lord, you do your work. And God will do that. God has always done that. But he's waiting us to come to a place where we say, okay, Lord, we're going to wait on you. And Elijah did that. He learned and had that one lesson right. He learned. He learned. He learned how to do that. You know, when we work on trying to do God's job, God cannot work. But we work on being what we need to do, and God can do his work. And he wants, amen. My last point, my last point. My last point. And that is finish right. Finish right. If you're going to get through, if you're going to get through your 
bad days, then you're going to have to learn how to finish. Now watch. You're going to have to learn how to finish. Learn how to finish. First of all, my friend, get the good out of the bad. Don't waste the tough times in your life. Let God finish you. You know, God will use you in his work, but before he'll use you, he'll have to make you. It says these words, know this, that the trying of your faith work is patience, but let patience have her perfect work that you might be entire or complete or full grown or stronger or better, may be complete and entire, wanting nothing. He said, God said, I want you to realize that I've given you this tough time to finish you, that I want you to allow patience to work slowly with you and allow God in the times of those troubles and challenges and deep valleys to show you what you need to learn, to teach you what you need to know. Allow God to say, God, I place myself in this tough time in my life in your very hand, and I want this tribulation to have its perfect work in me, that I might be complete, I might be entire, I might be all the way developed, I might be well-rounded, I might be completely equipped, that I might be entire and wanting nothing. Boy, what a truth there. Finish. Finish. Allow God to finish you. And finishing, allow these tough times to finish you. But then around the corner from that, a little switch and a twist of that finish, you find that God not only wanted to finish the man of God, but he wanted him to finish his work. We find in that chapter 19 as we read our text, I read it because we didn't read it there before, so I'll, I'll read it as we, as we close. He said there in verse number 15, The Lord said unto him, Go return unto the way of the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Haziel to be the king of Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And this is almost sad to me. Be honest, this is almost a sad part to me. And Elijah, the son of Shaphath, shalt thou anoint to be the prophet in thy room. It was interesting that God wanted him to finish his work. Let God finish you, but you finish your work. You finish what God wants you to do. I was uh, up in Findlay, Ohio, and it's been some years ago, and there was a man by the name of Brother Cummings, and historically a great, powerful man of God, Brother Cummings. And we were staying in the Findlay Inn, and I met him for breakfast, and he said, come over. I said, what are you doing up here? What are you doing in this part of the world? He said, I come up, and his, his life, um, you know, he'd, he'd grown older in years, and he said, you know what, Pastor? He said, the reason I've come to this Finley Inn is I've come to determine if I'm going to refire or if I'm going to retire. I said, how are you doing, preach? And he said, I've refired. <laughs> I've refired. I've refired. It was interesting, my friend, that he determined that he was going to finish. You know, God wants us to continue on because there's someone else. I've got a pastor friend by the name of Howard Casey. He pastors in the northern side of Detroit. His father-in-law just passed away two weeks ago. It's very interesting. Maybe a little more than two weeks ago when I think about it. But he had 100 men. He had 100 men that surrendered to ministry under his ministry. 100 men that surrendered to ministry. At one time, they said that he had 50 students in Bob Jones University. You know what? He had something right. He had something right. He said, I want you to... Elijah, I want you to anoint someone in your place. I want someone to follow you. I want someone to take your place. I want, you to, I want you to train him, and I want you to help him, and I want you to get him started and get him going. Give him truths. Get him ready to follow in your steps. You know, 
we got something to finish, don't we, amen? The reason we can't quit, the reason we can't stop in those tough times and those tough places, because we're not finished yet. A very sad story in the Gospel of Luke chapter 16. We see the poor man, the beggar, we see the rich man, they both die. And then we find all of a sudden the rich man said, and he cried unto said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me that you might take your finger and stick it in the water and place it on it. One drop, that's all I want. But the second request is very interesting. Very, very interesting. He said, I've got five brothers at my daddy's house. Would you send Lazarus to him? Would you please send Lazarus to him? Would you send Lazarus to him because they have not heard? And Abraham responds, and he's, he said, they have Moses and the prophets and let them hear them. He said, no, no, Father Abraham, but if, but if one went unto them for the day, they will repent. And he said, no, they won't. They've got their messengers. They've got their messengers. You know, we are their messengers. We are the messengers that God has let here for this generation, this area of time. We are they. We are the ones. I am and you are, and we must realize that, that we are the ones. My daddy come up to be with us. He was in Florida. He came up to be with us, and... Uh, Dad had gotten quite, quite sick. He had five strokes. and So he said, come on, son, let's go. I said, okay, Dad, where are we going? He said, we're going to Wendy's and get something to eat. I said, let's go, Dad. And so he hobbled off the car and got in. I took him to Wendy's. And he said, okay, now, son, go out here and turn left. Okay, Dad. Okay. Turn left. I'm going to go down 138 for a while, son. Okay, we did. He said, okay, son, stop here. Stop here. And he turned me in the graveyard. We sat there and ate our lunch underneath the tree. It was the summertime. I said, come on, son, let's go for a walk. And he took me for a walk. My daddy would stop at those tombstones. He'd read them. He'd read their names, the dates they were born, the date they died. And he'd tell me, he said, son, now you know what? Your kids are here in this area, in this town. Son, their moms and their daddies. This is a baby. This is a young are probably still alive, and they're in your area. Son, you've got to reach them. I remember my daddy on his, on, his, on his walker weeping. I reached over to grab him to keep from falling down, and he wept, and he said, oh, son. So sometimes when I'm getting into a tough spot, he'd finish strong. I'd get me a, a chili, a small chili, single with everything, and a chocolate shake. But my daddy, uh, and I take it, and I turn left. I turn left again. I go to those tombstones. And I realize that I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. Nineteen fifty-two, a young lady by the name of Flores Holdwick stepped into the waters of the Pacific Ocean, off the Canalita Island, to swim to the mainland of California. She had already been the first woman to swim the English channels both ways. That morning, the weather was very chilly. It was very cloudy. It was said that she could hardly see the boat that contained her mother boating alongside her as she made this long journey. It said that she got so tired and so exhausted that she wanted to quit. After 15 hours, she begged for them to take her out of the water. Her mother said to her, sweetheart, you're so close you can make it. But it was impossible to see 
how close he was because of the fog and the chill of the, of the day made it just a very difficult, dreadful day. Finally, physically and emotionally exhausted, it was said, that she was pulled from the water. And after she was pulled from the water, it was declared that she was only one half a mile from the shore. In the news conference that happened that next day, he said these words, and I, leave, I share it with you. She said, if I could have only seen the shore, I think I could have made it. If I could have, the chill of the water, fog in the air, made it so difficult she couldn't see where she was going. She hit that tough time in her life. Two months later, she once again stepped into the Pacific Ocean off the Catalina Islands to swim to the California mainland. The conditions were exactly the same. It was cold. It was cloudy. But this time, she had her goal pictured in her mind behind the fog and the chill of the day. She had her mind fixed. She had her mind fixed, my friend, where she was going and the reason for it to continue on. Florence became the first woman to swim the Catalina Chip Canal. Interesting. Beating the men's record by two hours. They said to her in the, in the news conference, how did you do it this time and not the last time? She said, I just couldn't see what was, what was through, the cloud, through the fog. I just couldn't see it. And can I tell you what's through the fog? When you hit that tough time and you're physically exhausted and you're emotionally drained, can I tell you what's on the other side? It's a shore called heaven. And some of those people that we sent ahead, they're there. They're there. And so when you and I are swimming hard, preachers, we're swimming hard. We're exhausted. We're emotionally depleted. Give it all we have. We have nothing left within us. I want you to realize that when you slip your feet into the Pacific Ocean, your ocean, there's something on the other side. Let's pray, shall we? Father in heaven, Thank you, Lord, that in the tough times that we can make it because of you. Father, thank you, Lord, that there's a shore that souls of men wait us. We pray, Father in heaven, that you'll take these servants of yours, these wonderful students, these godly students, and prepare them for the tough days of their life, the tough times in ministry, when they get discouraged and want to quit, or even like this man, that they just want to die. God, just to take them. Pray that, Lord, that they'll learn how to be able to get up and go through and go on and keep on keeping on. Dismiss now, Lord, according to your purpose for our lives. Touch us and move us in Jesus' name. And amen. And amen.